And away we go with a panel every weekday afternoon at this time on The Oakley Show. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Joining me in-house, Dan Moulton, consultant at Crestview Strategy, that's a public affairs agency, and a former advisor in the McGinney and Wynn governments. Danny, how you doing? I'm doing well, John. Could use some pizza. But, okay. uh, <laughs> you know, I think we're now hitting a full cycle, wasn't it, last week? You guys were <laughs> yeah. clamoring for it? Okay. And you wouldn't give it to us then, either. Yeah, I well, know, exactly. I'm not going to lay it off it. You're going to keep talking about Pizzaville. You're going to hound me into me submission. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Tabins, you of all people should know there's no free lunch. Peter Tabins. <laughs> the MP- John, I, I learned at my father's knee. Oh, Oh, did so you? true. Okay. Well, then why the 180? Uh, <laughs> no, no. Let no. me let me just introduce you properly because people need to know uh, your bona fides. The NDP's energy and climate change critic and longtime MPP for Toronto Danforth. Otherwise, how you doing? I'm doing very well, John. But all those things make me feel better. So uh, keep that's the it. first time I've heard you say "longtime MPP." I like that. Well, you know, it, or it, maybe it just seems that way. Uh, how long you been in the? How long you been in the? <laughs> Twelve list? years. There you go. Twelve years. Yeah. Where was time it? passes. City Council before that. Yeah, in the 90s. That is a long Jeez. time. Wow. Anthony Fury, uh, Sun Post Media columnist and national comment editor. How's Anthony? Nowhere I would rather be than here, John. Okay. <laughs> really, it's become that desperate situation. <laughs> it? Fair enough. Listen, uh, you know, and there are some people who are grateful for uh, at least being able to retain certain positions or standing. Tony Clement. Had to walk the plank because, uh, well, Andrew Shear found out it wasn't the first time that uh, he had been maybe inappropriately sexting and uh, sending messages to somebody or other. Uh, could have been a Russian troll farm for all we know, but uh, he did come forward and admit as much, uh, although he didn't say it was more than once. And now it was found out that it has been. But, you know, he sits on some committees that uh, involve irony of all irony, intelligence matters. And so, uh, my, look, uh, I think it's untenable, but uh, should he resign from politics uh, like he's been kicked out of caucus, is he damaged goods? I mean, he can stand to run again in 2019. I suppose his constituents or the voters will make the choice. Uh, what do you say, first of all, quickly around the horn, Anthony? No, I don't think he should resign from politics at all. And we're, we'll probably learn a bit more about this story as the days continue. But when you when you brought up the security angle, that, that that's the concerning thing. This this all-party uh, parliamentary committee for national security, really important. It's got MPs and senators on it. I'm glad it exists. They got a good mix. Tony Clement has done a lot of work on terror and extremism and so forth and some proactive ideas, and I'm glad he was on it. And that's why this story is all the more sort of frustrating and disappointing that someone should really know better to let themselves get compromised like this is is incredibly frustrating. I was talking to someone who had supported him for the conservative leadership way back in 2004 in an, an exasperated voice said, I supported this guy to become prime minister, not because the, the, the essence of the act is all, you know, such a horrible thing, but because it's just such a like really... Really, it's like it's like getting caught in the Nigerian Prince scam and, you know, the millions of dollars. Like, just a, a high-level person should not be doing this stuff. It's that simple. All right. Well, Dan, uh, you're a strategist. I mean, do you think there's something that can be redeemed here or uh, rehabilitated? It's like putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. What do you think his political future holds? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it's going to be very hard for him to get elected in, in his riding if he's not running under the... Certainly, as an independent, that's going to be very difficult. So I imagine he'll... Uh, not be returning uh, uh, on the ballot in the next election. Probably see it the rest of his term, I, I would assume. But uh, no, I, like I, I'm not surprised to see Andrew Shear throw him out of the caucus. I think that uh, this uh, affirms a lot of preconceived notions uh, that 
you know, some Canadians who may consider voting conservative but don't do it consistently uh, have some preconceived notions or concerns they have about the Conservative Party and Conservative politicians. Uh, and so I, I think Andrew Scheer obviously wanted to move quick to throw him out to try and isolate that and, and, and quarantine it from spreading to other elements of the party. But, I mean, we're seeing this uh, more and more. Uh, it's unfortunate. It's But it's not party specific. I mean, right across the board, everybody, you know, in all the parties has had, uh, let's call them uh, improprieties. Sure. I mean, I don't think that this is, I don't know. I I agree with you, John, to be clear. I don't think this is the matter or the the confine of one party. Uh, But I do think that uh, strategically for the conservatives, they do deal with managing a a perception issue uh, among female voters in particular about the behavior of some of their their members. And so uh, this is... uh, more problematic for them than it often is for other parties, to be frank. Peter, how about it in the legislature? You guys get coached on this. Do you have like a code of ethics and conduct? Uh, Do you have like the party caucus and reminders from HR? You know, I mean, within this building on occasion, you know, you'll get, uh, I don't know, they'll hold a symposium and here's the things you can't be doing and consider this and yada, yada, the rules of engagement have changed. You get that in the legislature? Yeah, I I can't speak for the other parties Uh, in the NDP. We did actually have someone come in and go through all of this, uh, oh, about six months, no, almost a year ago on sexual harassment, how to avoid um, doing things that you may think are innocent, but are certainly not seen that way. And a caution that this kind of activity, this kind of behavior was totally unacceptable within our party. It was a very useful discussion uh, in the caucus, a, a real plus. But what's interesting to me with this Tony Clement case is that Sheer, by contrast to Doug Ford, came out very quickly saying that this was a, uh, a sexual problem, a sexual, potentially sexual harassment problem. Um, Jim Wilson it took, what, five days for Doug Ford to come and talk to reporters? Well, right. let's, let's pick up on that. It's always the same thing with Mike Harris, uh, Michael Harris, I should say, to be clear, uh, the former MPP for uh, Kitchener-Conestoga mm-hmm. uh, last spring. I mean, we, we saw the same sort of thing. Doug Ford took a long time to, to act and be clear with the public about what was going on. Uh, and so, and, and I, to come back to my earlier point, I think this speaks to that some of those problems that Canadians... All right, Canadians yeah, so give Shear credit. He was willing to come well, out and right, talk, but, and, you and know, Ford should have done the same. Wasn't Shear's an easier uh, file to handle insofar as Clement came out himself and admitted it uh, as much? Well, that shouldn't the, matter, frankly. Well, well but no, here's... No, a, it, 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 the, no, just a second. The Premier of the province comes out and says we have a problem here with a member who's got addiction issues, which he may well have, and for that I, I hope that uh, he gets good treatment. But at least Shear said, look, there's a, a pattern here of sexual harassment or um, problems with sexual behavior that have to be addressed, haven't been addressed. Ford should have done the same with Wilson. He should have been direct well, in that way. He shouldn't Ford have had to saying, wait for things to bubble up later right. in the media. Anthony, let me ask you, because Ford was uh, offering the explanation earlier today saying it would have been inappropriate to make the situation a media issue because one of the, the people, the uh, person making the allegations, didn't want it to be. So he was protecting that individual, is what he said. Well, there are a number of reasons why why you want to sort of manage the way you address these issues. Part of them is because all of these stories are never, here you go, they're wrapped in a bow, you know everything. As, as sort of time goes by, sometimes you learn more things, or other people go, well, I, I'm in a similar boat with this, and they come forward with a concern or an accusa- accusation. So there's actually a lot of moving parts going on in these stories. And you go, well, if I speak early, have I been too hasty, too little? I mean, Andrew Shear, that the timing, to Peter's point, kind of worked for him, but I think 
It was also the way, to your point, things happen. Tony Clement outing himself after, I guess, he finds out there's this extortion. He's, oh, man, I got to go. I got to go to the RCMP and all of this. So that's how it worked to Andrew Shear's favor. But it but doesn't always turn out that way. I mean, the uh, the, the the federal NDP issue with the with the close talker, I can't think of uh, the fellow's name, but there's been a lot of odd stories and, and that the, the NDP uh, MP, the woman who accused him, did so many moving parts, and the story changed. Weir. It was Weir. Yeah, that's it, Aaron Weir. It changed, it changed so often in this story. I mean, I, how can you expect someone like Jagmeet Singh to give the perfect answer when nobody even knows what's going on? Yeah, but I don't think it's a question of perfect answer. It's a question of being open with the public from the beginning. Jim Wilson left somewhere in a two-hour window in a variety of, on Friday, when there were a variety of events going along, it wasn't that sometime around an hour before the announcement was made that someone found out he had a, an alcohol problem. So it's pretty clear the premier knew at the time. And frankly, there's a big difference between um, putting forward information that will identify those who have been harmed, which he rightly should not have done, and to my knowledge hasn't done, um, and being direct and honest with the public and saying, we've got this kind of problem here, we're going to deal with it, we're going to investigate it. Okay, we're so let me sure ask you, let me, let me just put the ball in your court. Uh, yeah. Let's say a staffer in your office comes uh, to you and says, I've got some allegations about somebody here in the legislature, but uh, Peter, do me a favor. Uh, it's important to investigate these allegations and take the ball and run with it, but just don't mention my name, and uh, I don't want to be a party to it. Yeah, but I, I'll be honest with you. I'd have to look at um, whether this was the person who had been harassed or hurt. Uh, but in any event, well, you wouldn't identify the person who was harassed or hurt. Right. And the premier didn't need to do that. All he had to say was, this is the nature of the problem I'm dealing with. And that's what he should have done. He didn't. And that lack of transparency is going to be very problematic for this government. But, but and the problematic scope and the, the extent of is, is still unclear. They're, they're talking about investigations. So th- th- there's not even perhaps certainty about that. We you might know, convene next week and the story may be... Yeah. The Premier acknowledged today that he knew on Friday the reasons for Jim Wilson's resignation uh, and didn't disclose them publicly for a very specific reason. And so we I, I wanted mean, that is that is a clear that is clearly misinforming the public. So yeah. Peter, the public is owed what degree of salacious details is the public they, owed though? You don't have to have salacious details. We have a situation in which a minister of the crown has been alleged to be engaged in sexual harassment. That minister is suspended or taken off the file. We're investigating this we're going to protect those who were potentially hurt. Uh, we're not going to reveal any details about them. It's very straightforward, that part. Um, but I think the minister, the premier, has a responsibility to not engage in a cover-up from the moment this whole thing starts. So and what's the cost, what's the cost in political on- capital, if any? Uh, to the premier? Yeah. Well, I think that this is, this is difficult for the progressive conservatives in Ontario because, I mean, this is an issue they've been grappling with for the last 12 months quite significantly. We saw two resignations over the weekend tied to sexual impropriety. We saw this premier take the leadership of the party because of a, a former leader having to step down because of uh, allegations of sexual impropriety. And so I think this is something that they have to sort of, they need to deal with as a party. And, and to Peter's point, uh, being uh, untransparent about it, not, not communicating with the public clearly about what's going on, uh, is only leading to a perception that they're hiding something. All right. Well, you know, I mean, uh, it seems like this is endemic to people in power. The liberals, need I remind you, actually went into court and uh, had to have things litigated. So, well, it's no, not- it's, I, I agree with you, John. Let's be clear. This is not the province of one political party. There is a problem in our political system uh, uh, with 
you know, typically men in powerful positions abusing that power for uh, younger, vulnerable staffers. Yeah. Uh, but and, then and the question comes, how do you handle that? And are you all, all sorry, honest and open with the public about it? Saying enough. we've got a problem here, we're investigating, we're acting, or do you try and cover it up? The premier tried to cover it up. It blew apart within a few days. This was always going to be in the media one way or the other. Peter, if there was an attempt at a cover-up, we wouldn't have been talking about this because we wouldn't know about it. No, attempts that fail come out. And it was Global on Monday that broke this story. It wasn't the premier coming out on Monday and saying, well, no, this is this is the What I'm saying story. is Jim Wilson is out now at the urging of Doug Ford originally. So you're, you're quibbling with the details. A cover-up means let's just cover up this whole darn thing and pretend it didn't happen. And if, that if is never what happened, and there's never any idea problem. that this was on fair, the table. further problem, too. I mean, when the minister resigned on Friday and was also resigning from caucus, it's readily apparent there was more to this story than they were letting on. There's no reason that he would have resigned from caucus and left the Progressive Conservative Party if it was just for matters of mental health and alcoholism. All right, uh, let's just uh, yeah, take a time out. I want to come back. I, I wanted to uh, come back and pivot to the midterm stateside and what that all says going forward for America, for better or worse, how things transpired last night. Let's do that next. Dan Moulton, Anthony Fury, Peter Tabbins on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I don't know that too many people would have to be told not to share explicit images and videos with people that you haven't met. Uh, but uh, obviously, uh, this is uh, a, a terrible decision, extremely poor judgment. This body is a temple, as you can see.